1: I think the willingness to pour that money out allows it to pour back into you and like believing that it will come to you and I don't want to say come back I don't want to say it like that because that has like a mentality like I gave something that I that is mine and it's like no this money isn't mine it flows thinking about it from that perspective
0: it there's just so much ease hello and welcome back to the podcast
2: Today's episode is brought to you by the waitlist for my course, Money Skills for Therapists. In 2022, we're going to be raising the price of the course, like I hope all of you raise your fees from time to time. It's an important part of having a healthy business. And this is your chance to get on the waitlist so you can get into the course at 2021 pricing. If you've been thinking about the course, if you're curious about it, get on the waitlist. Then you will hear when we open the doors for the course and you can get in at that 2021 pricing, but start the course in 2022. So you don't need to worry about starting over the holidays. You can start fresh in 2022, but lock in that 2021 price. You can check out the link in the show notes for the waitlist. So today's episode is with Jaleesha Gatling. Jaleesha Gatling is a wonderful human. (laughs) I need to start by saying that. I have known Jaleesha for three years now. Uh, She was a graduate of Money Social Therapist back in 2018, and the progress that Jaleesha has made, the transformation in her relationship to money is incredible in that time. It is just a night-to-day transformation from where she was when I met her back in 2018 to where she is now, where she's actually working with couples around money. She's actually made this part of her clinical practice to really dig into money when she used to be super, super, super anxious about it when she started the course back in 2018. Today, we dig into so many tips and tricks, more than any episode I've done to date. This one is just so full of tips and tricks from Jaleesha of how to shift your mindset around money. And most importantly, we really dig into how to actually enjoy money we really debunk this myth that is so common that more money equals happy. (laughs) We don't usually necessarily think about that myth so directly, but so often we carry this belief of, okay, well, when my practice brings in $50,000, then I'm going to feel good and I'm going to enjoy life and it's going to feel great and easy. Okay, when my practice brings in $100,000, then things are going to be easy. Then it's all going to make sense. And Jaleesha and I really dig into this story and debunk this story, and she gives some really great tips on ways to actually enjoy money now, ways to shift your mindset, ways to just make money work for you emotionally and practically. So enjoy this episode with Jaleesha Gatling. So Jaleesha, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me, Lindsay. I'm really excited. I'm excited too, because Jalisa, you and I have worked together in a couple capacities over a few years. So I have seen a lot change for you in that time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. In a way that I think most people could only aspire to. So I'm really excited to kind of like pick your brain and lay out some ideas for people to help them get where you are, and maybe just like very briefly, in terms of where you are. When I first met you, I think you had a lot of anxiety around money.
1: Yeah, big understatement. <laughs> <laughs> big, big understatement. By anxiety, like yes, yes,
2: yes. And now, if you could just briefly summarize for me, like even just your business stuff, what's happening in your business world now? Just so people kind of know know more about you before we dig into all your gems you have for us.
1: Yeah. I mean, now the anxiety is pretty much non-existent. When it comes up though, I'm able to really squash it quickly and notice those old stories coming up. But I'd say like what's shifted is just no more anxiety, not even just around money, but around clients and what's gonna happen and if I can do it. Just like there's so much more confidence and I've been able to expand my business in ways that I wasn't even thinking about opportunities have really opened up that I wouldn't have even been able to see at that point. Yes.
2: Yeah. And now part of the work that you're doing is actually helping therapists around like their businesses and money and mindset. And and you do work with couples too, around money as well.
1: Yes, yes, I, I do. It's lovely. I actually just got certified in premarital counseling with this prepare and rich training certification. And I've been seeing a lot of premarital couples who haven't talked about money. So I've been having like so many good juicy conversations. It's been great to like dig into that with them. We really create a safe space and to, like help them to understand that we have a relationship to money. There's um, so many people, you know, they're like, what do you, I mean, at least me, I remember when I started looking into this. I was like, what do you mean relationship with money? I don't have any, so I don't have a relationship.
2: Right. Yes. <laughs> what relationship is there to have? Yeah. Oh, that sounds like such like uh, juicy work. I think that's the exact word I would have said, like, Oh, talking with couples who've never talked about money before. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. That's fun. So for you, Jalisha, what have you ditched along the way? Like, I know you've let go of a lot, what have you let go of that has helped you to have this less anxious relationship with money that you're telling us about?
1: I think the biggest thing is what I would call goal posts. Like I had all of these milestones that I thought, once I hit this, then I will feel more secure. I won't feel anxious with money. So it went from, oh, I'm in college. I'm not supposed to have money. You know, that's what it is. You'll have that when you get a job. And then I got the job and I still was really stressed and struggling. And then I got another job. And then I went back to school and I was like, I got to get a real job, (laughs) and then it was like okay once i got into private practice it was like okay i'm gonna struggle until i make 50k like that literally i was like when i hit 50 i was up for that promotion i was so excited and i was still like struggling and i'm like how does i don't get it so it just kept moving and i realized delisha there's something else happening. There's something that you're missing here. And so I think like ditching those goalposts and realizing that it was so much deeper as far as like managing money, knowing what was happening. Um, it wasn't a matter of how much I made or how hard I worked. Cause I thought you worked super hard from working all the time then the money will come and everything will be good. But that didn't happen. And alongside that, I was able to let go of this withholding pattern that I had with money where I would have money or I would have a little bit more than I needed and I would just hang on to it for dear life and feel like I couldn't spend it on anything because I didn't know when it was gonna get taken away because of something you know unexpected happening. I just was fearful to enjoy money when I had a little bit of surplus. So it was very conflicting.
2: Yeah. Well, and something that I remember you talking about when we first worked together, this was so impactful to me that like I use it now. I talk about this a lot. Is like, is that idea that once you hit a certain number, you'll be fine, right? Like that you'll figure it out. Like once you have a certain number, then money's going to be easy. But from what we were kind of chatting about a little bit before it sounds like that story also came up again even when you did have money skills but in a different way so can you tell me about that like repetition of that story because i think this is a really interesting thing because this is so common right that we do have this idea of once once x then y once x then y right and so tell me about kind of the next level once you kind of got money skills how did that story show up again
1: so it showed up again uh, with every up level uh, essentially. And I think like recognizing that that might come up can be helpful, but I had these stars that would come up when I would think about, oh my gosh, when I hit six figures, like I will feel so secure and amazing and I'll be able to do any and everything I want. And I hit six figures and it was underwhelming. Um, <laughs> and I feel yes. like struggle with spending things. Even if I had the numbers in front of me and, it, and I had it, like there's still that those old stories that it's going to be taken away. What if I don't make this much in the next few months? Like really putting pressure on myself and feeling like, what if this is taken away? What if this is a fluke? What if, if my, my average was 10 K for like six months straight? And I was like, this is going to get taken away at any point. I'm, I'm going to go back to those 3K, 2K months, and I'm going to have to go back to bartending. Like those stories come up and I have to talk myself down. But it's like, Kind of recognizing that that was happening, it has allowed me to really relax and just like normalize it when it comes up and then just like shut it
2: down. Yes. So what is a different way to think about it then? If we'd stop thinking about money in terms of when this happens, then this, whatever our stories are and whatever the number is, if we let go of that kind of milestones idea, what's another way that you find is more helpful to think about money and how it works?
1: You're more susceptible to falling into that if you don't have a specific thing that is meaningful to you that you will be able to do or buy. It could even be just not working weekends or not working evenings, whatever it might be. There has to be something attached to the number or to getting 10 more clients or to making 150,000, like what, what is going to be different for you? That is meaningful. And so I think for me with the 6k, I was like, I'll just have more shit and have more fun. I don't know. Like it was very random and more. Yay. Like yeah. Yeah. But I just, I thought that that would just give me this, like, I don't know, this feeling of, I don't want to say invincibility, but I just thought it was going to be magical. It was just vague. I didn't really have anything tied to it. So I think, like, focusing on what is it that you want to experience and getting as specific as possible like super specific, not even just, I want to, I want to take two vacations. How many days do I want to be on vacation? And how many days before I leave and after do I want off? Cause that lights me up when I can have time to decompress before and after not, not working immediately upon coming back that, Ooh, that is juicy. So like that I can, I can like roll with that kind of goal, but it's more specific and it's not, Just like this idea. And I think a lot of people, I don't know if you resonate with that. Like when you were maybe below 100K and you like hit that, you were like, were you expecting like
2: confetti? Yeah, yeah, confetti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think that it is underwhelming usually. I mean, but it depends on what you do with it, right? It's underwhelming if, as you say, you're just kind of vague about your idea of what it's going to be like and you're not specific. Like what I'm hearing from you, I think, is is make it special, make it specific, like have a specific reward that like really hits the spot for you. Cause I think that we, we do live in this culture that gives us this idea that money is just makes you feel good by itself,
1: Mm -hmm. just by
2: virtue of having it. Like people who have a million dollars feel so good every single day. (laughs) That's not true. It's not true. Cause nobody feels good every single day. So it's like, what. What I'm hearing from you is with those milestones, if you want to make milestones special, attach something to it that actually makes it meaningful for you personally. Yeah. Right. And so it it could be like you said, like this vacation that has buffer on either side, like that for you is especially delicious. Or for somebody, it could be like going to visit a family member in a specific place, like really make it special. Cause it's not actually that special.
1: It's more like you are approaching it from the thing that you want. So rather than, okay, when I get a hundred pay, I'm going to do this, but I want to have two vacations that are seven days and I have maybe a week before off, whatever it might be. And like, okay, how much more would I need to have or to save towards to do that thing working from that? But don't just grab these, these random milestones that society has told us, you know, when you hit this, you'll make it. I'll help you make six figures. And I mean, I've said that myself working with therapists and I'm, I've been like kind of rethinking that because It's, you know, and really try to talk about the things that I have been able to do
2: Mm -hmm. upon
1: making that much money.
2: Yeah. Cause when the golf post moves to, I think we're also just like deferring, deferring our responsibility for being happy now. Ooh, yes. Ooh. Cause I see that in like the, the business world that I'm in now, which is kind of a little bit removed from the therapy world, like I'm now in the world of, of people where it's like, well, you make six. So now you make seven. Now your goal is seven. It's like, what? I just hit this goal. (laughs) Now the goal is like that much bigger. And it's like, that's the new, the new dream. When you hit seven, then life is easier. The reality is when you have seven, this is what it actually looks like. You have a bunch of staff you have a bunch of responsibility. Now you have to make a bunch of money every month just to make sure everybody's paid and like everything's running. And like, yes, you can bring home more money, but you also have a lot more work, right? And maybe you're bringing home that more money, but if you're not actually like building your life properly, you're also more tired, you're more stressed, right? Like it's not necessarily actually more happiness. Yeah. It's just more money. But yeah, I think that it is in some ways, this story that we tell ourselves that means that we don't have to worry about taking care of ourselves today. We're going to do it later. I'm going to be happy later. I'm gonna figure this out later. Totally. And you were talking before we started recording, you were talking about this idea instead of thinking about it in milestones as like kind of this flow of money, money being something that flows. Let's, let's dig into that. So when I'm talking about money flowing,
1: literally it might sound a little weird, but I think of myself as like a conduit for money. Where like <laughs> I not only do I have way less anxiety where I'm like hoarding money, but like, I have a willingness and an enjoyment to spend money, to invest money. And even I was even thinking about like, okay, with your course, Lindsay, I invested money. I poured money into your business, but I was investing in myself at the same time. It was like this beautiful, like mutuality. Right. And you're, I'm assuming get joy out of helping people do this. Right. I think the willingness to pour that money out allows it to pour back into you and like believing that it will come to you. And I don't want to say come back. I don't want to say it like that because that has like a mentality. Like I gave something that you I gave so mine. And it's like, no, this money isn't mine. It flows. I don't know if that makes sense. Totally. Thinking about it from that perspective it there's just so much ease and it really gets rid of if you have any stories with money where you are afraid of not having enough or it getting taken away like I used to feel like something would always happen my car like there would always be something I was in the hospital like just random stuff as soon as I got just like barely ahead quote-unquote and just like ditching that has allowed this beautiful flow which kind of speaks to the opportunities I was telling you about that have just like poured into my life. I'm like not out here hustling, I'm really not. But I think it's just like, you have to not only be willing to pour that out and to invest in yourself, but also to receive it. And a lot of times we're like closing the doors to that.
2: Yeah, I mean, it does make me think of this thing that my own therapist has said to me before about like, that money is energy, right? And so if you just think about it as like, money's almost like this temporary storage for that energy. Right. And so it's like, we do this work and it's work that we love and that's its own reward. Right. And so like, there's this energy that we put in, somebody else gives that back to us in the form of like money, which is also energy, but it's like, what are we going to do with that to continue this positive flow of energy? Right. it's easy to like, be like, I need to store that away and I can't look at it and pretend it's not there. And, you know, saving is one thing if you have like this positive and it's building something, but sometimes we can move into this hoarding. And what you're doing when you do that is you're just like freezing that energy. Now that money's not going to do anything for you. You're just like taking this, this kind of gift that you were given and you're leaving it to kind of stagnate. And that's not always what saving is. Saving is great, but that can be the relationship that we have when we have more of like a tightness or scarcity around it. Totally. Right, so it sounds like more of this moving. And and in that too, I think with the moving, what I love about that visual, Jalisha, is I do think it also addresses what you were just talking about of this fear of like something bad is going to happen, right? Because I've totally found myself thinking that too of like, well, what if I can't work? And it's like, well, realistically, what is the scenario in which I can't work? And even if I can't work, eventually I'll work again. I'll have more energy. As long as I'm alive, I might just like see two clients on the side, you know, when I'm not napping all day. But like, like it's, it, I think that it also addresses the reality of like, we're people and we have energy and we do work that generates money. And like, as long as we're alive, energy is going to, to flow from us and we can use that to generate money, which then makes other things happen in our life. Totally. Yeah. There's just that flow of life and money is just part of that flow. Mm -hmm. Yes. So thinking about this, I mean, this links to something else I wanted to talk to you about, which is about how we talk about money and the stories that we tell. So what is something that you've really noticed about those stories as you've done your money work over the years? What kind of advice would you give people about the way that we talk about money?
1: I would say, it sounds so simple, but like, watch your mouth, like really the language that you use is just as important as learning management skills and systems. Like it's just as important and it actually can get in the way of implementing and and I think sticking to those systems and them helping you. And so something as simple as I'm, I'm, I'm broke. I'm too broke to do that. I can't afford it. Even if you really feel like you can't, Do not use that language. And so, I mean, one of my favorite replacements for I can't afford it is I'm prioritizing other things right now. I'm prioritizing something else. That is not a priority right now, you know? And that right now is important too because it's just not right now, not yet. It's not like a closed door. And so just like realizing I, th- I think I got this maybe from Denise Duffield, one of her books, when I started to really think about language and how I talked about myself and money and how all of my friends did too. Like, and I was constantly hearing that, you know, when I'm, I was like in the creative world and have a lot of actors and creative friends and you know, we're, we all were kind of prideful about like, I'm a struggling artist and, (laughs) you know, like, this is just supposed to be hard and whatever, but like, we would constant, like I'm broke. Oh, so broke. We're poor. We're too broke to do that. Can't go here. Can't, you know, we can't go on vacation for more than two days and like just all these things. And so like that language, you, the more you say it and the more you hear it, the more you believe it. And so you've got to do some reframing around that. And it's, it's something that you have to be conscious about at first, but it feels different to say, I'm not prioritizing this course right now. I'm prioritizing something else versus I can't afford it. Ugh, I'm too broke. Well, and
2: that's such an empowered way to say it, to say like, you know, this isn't a priority for me right now. I'm putting my money somewhere else right now. Because the truth is you are. Yeah. Unless you literally don't have a dollar, but like most of us in this field, you are putting your money somewhere, whether that's what you're putting towards buying good food or something for your kid, or you're saving money instead, you're doing something with your money. And I think that, that phrase acknowledges that rather than this, just like disempowered kind of like, I don't have it. Cause if, if you really wanted it, you would have it. You'd find it. You take it from something else or you take debt. <laughs> Yeah. But you know, it is also a reflection of, of what is important to you. Cause we, it is amazing what we can find money for. Oh um, my gosh. I was just thinking that
1: <laughs> all the times my car broke down.
2: Yes. I'm like, all of us, I was able to figure it out. Found the money. Yes. Whereas like I find for me, you know, this is a, a struggle area for me where, and like humans are not logical. Right. So this is the lovely thing about us is we make no sense an area where I find I'm selectively broke. Cause that's what it's about, right? It's being selectively broke or, or having a hard time spending money is really what it is, is I'll notice like for me, like clothes, all really kind of like drag my feet on like replacing something like, and I, and I had a conversation with my partner, which then my friend was like, I just had the same conversation where he was like, you need new underwear. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know. I there for me, and this is my own stuff, right? There's some sort of barrier to buying clothes. I'm always kind of trying to like, ah, I'll do it later. Kind of part of it is I hate clothes. I'm tall. I have big feet. There's just things that make it hard to buy clothes. But also it's just that for some reason in my head, there's this barrier that makes it feel like hard to prioritize that in my budget. And that's what the reality is. I'm not prioritizing my budget because I'll spend $600 a month on therapy. I can find that. (laughs) That's no question when I make my budget that I'm going to budget that 600 dollars you know, a new pair of underwear, uh, like a set of underwear is maybe like $35, right? Ah, that's such a great example. And it's totally illogical. Like, is there anything like that in your world that you can think of that is like hard to spend money on where you feel like you don't have the money, but it would show up for something else? Honestly,
1: I don't want to sound like
2: I'm copying you, but I so
1: resonate with clothes. It's close. About <laughs> I, hate shopping. I, I might go shopping like once a year and I'll like kind of do bulk. I just- I don't enjoy it. I wear a lot of the same stuff. That's something I definitely struggle with. I need jeans. I've gained weight. Like I've gained weight and I'm just like,
2: this is the new Jaleesha. I need to buy new jeans yes. and I haven't done it. I know. Personal shoppers. We need personal shoppers. That's. <laughs> I think that's the solution here. <laughs> so for people who are listening right now, who are, maybe this, this is new to them talking about money, thinking about money. They know they want to work on money, but they don't really know where to start. What would be like some advice that you would give them on, on like a nice starting place to start to improve their relationship to money?
1: Something that's really simple and actually I think can be a fun little project is creating what I call passive reminders. And so basically we're trying to shift from I'm broke, I'm struggling, making money is hard to what, how you want to feel and what you will be experiencing once you get that healthier relationship. And so when I say passive reminders, I mean, what's on your screen of your phone, of your computer on your desktop. I changed mine to a beach and I just moved in to an apartment that is two blocks from the beach, everybody. And I'm freaking thrilled. Literally, I have dreamed of living by the beach. And I put that on my screensaver years ago when I started doing this work. So I had pictures of money, like just gold on my phone screensaver. Just find some pictures that show what you want to have, what you will be able to experience, or pictures that when you look at them, it induces a really good feeling. And the beach has always done that for me. And so by seeing these things passively, it makes it seem more realistic and more possible. It's kind of like what we were saying with the language. If you continue to say I'm broke, I'm broke, I'm broke, you probably, you know, like that's not helping you. And so this is a way of just kind of seeing this over time all the time it will become easier even like I used to feel a lot of like shame I'll say around like wanting to make six figures and just kind of it felt so unrealistic first of all but there's something about I remember I used to whisper it like I wouldn't want to say how much I was making like even you know and I think you you know that working with therapists, right? Not wanting to talk about money because it's rude or whatever. And so there's something about even like making your passwords, maybe six, seven figures with, you know, some other stuff attached to it, whatever. But like, there's something about like typing that out that it made it easier over time to say it and to own it and to like not apologize. I'm like, yeah, hell yes. I want to make seven however much I want to make more money I want to take more vacations I want to work less you know whatever it is and so like there's something about setting up some kind of visuals passively where you just encounter them regularly so we're mostly interacting with our phone our computer passwords those are kind of the three things that I did and it really made a difference in how I felt about the things that I wanted but also it just seemed more realistic I was like oh this is Possible alongside doing the other work, right? But it's an easy start, I think, and it's fun too. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It sounds like it's a way to kind of almost like subliminally Mm -hmm. get yourself used to wanting things, normalizing your desires. Like, like you said, I feel like so many therapists, I don't feel like I know. So many therapists have shame around what they want because we're helpers and we're told to be helpers. And many of us are women and people of color. And like, we've been told that what we want is not important and we're not supposed to want it. And we're supposed to help. Right. And, you know, we've gone into this profession because we have those traits. So what I'm hearing is just like creating an environment that just lets you really own and get used to. What you yes. want. Yeah. It's okay exactly. to want those things. <laughs> and normalizing what you want. And I love that. And I love how specific that beach image is. Cause for me, I immediately go to like what I would put on my phone. And it's very different than than yours because beaches, sand, sun. <laughs> Shh, sh- sh- I'm gesturing to my, my uh <laughs> pale complexion right now. For <laughs> those who are listening on the podcast, I'm not made for that shit. It doesn't go well. But for me, it's like a little cottage, like a cottage office in a backyard. In England, they have these like I watch lots of gardening shows and people have these gorgeous little gardens. It's like a whole yard. That's all flowers. And then at the back, there's their perfect little cabin where it's like their little studio or their office. And like that, that for me is it, I've wanted that for so long. And that's, that's the image that will be on my phone. And I'm actually in the works of actually having that built. We're like <gasps> consulting with an architect, like getting plans. Oh. For, you know, yeah. Who's going to do that for us. And that is my thing. Right. So it's so personal and you know, you and I would take the same money and spend it differently because of what brings joy into our lives. So I love how specific that suggestion is. Figure out what how money can bring joy into your world specifically. Yeah, I love that. Yes, yes, yes. So thank you so much, Lisha. I love talking with you and I loved working with you as a student. I loved when you coached in my course and I you're always doing the coolest shit. So thank you so much for coming on and talking with me today.
1: Thank you so much, Lindsay. I had a ball.
2: And now we gotta tell people where to find you. Yeah. yeah.
1: If you're I'm assuming therapists listening. <laughs> um, find me on saving the saver. Yes. Saviorsaver.com yeah. or saving the saver on Instagram.
2: So that's my handle. Yeah. And for those who might be interested in getting more into your world. Do you have any freebies out there or any offers coming that they can keep their eyes peeled for? Yeah,
1: actually, if you go on my Instagram right now, I have a freebie I just created that has money leaks that you are probably overlooking in your business. There's like six big ones that I keep seeing in a lot of the therapist practices that I work with. And I think it's, pretty valuable. And so check it out. If you are, you know, wondering as you're doing this work, it's just nice to look at how you can be bringing more money in and receiving more money. That isn't just tied to getting more clients. So yes. that's what this, this, that preview is beautiful. About.
2: Awesome. So those links are in the show notes and you can check them out to get more into Jalisha's world, which I highly recommend you do. That's a good life choice. And, uh, thanks so much again, Jalisha for coming in today. Thanks. Jalisha shared so, so, so many helpful tips and tricks throughout this episode. I love this image that she has of money flowing and the ease that that brings, that it opens the possibilities of what are the ways that money can also flow to you and needing to be open to receive that flow, as well as being willing to spend money and let go of it. That's such a beautiful, liberating image. Jaleesha is so empowered about money. Something that I notice reflecting on this episode is how energizing it is to talk to her, just listening to my own energy. I had so much fun recording this episode with her. And I will say that we did make a clothing pact after this episode, since we both identified that that is an area that we both struggle with spending. Uh, And Jaleesha nailed it. (laughs) She completed the pact. She got all sorts of great clothes. And I kind of sort of nailed it. It's still a work in progress. Uh, humans we are interesting creatures there's always more work to do around money and everything really. If you would like more free money content about private practice specifically, check us out on Instagram. you can follow me at money Nuts and Bolts. And if you are interested in really digging in and working on your relationship to money and also building a clear system to get money working for you in your private practice, that's exactly what we do in Money Skills for Therapists. The link to the waitlist is in the show notes. We are going to be raising the price of the course in 2022. We're raising our fee like I suggest you all do from time to time. It's part of a healthy business. So this is your chance to get in at 2021 pricing. You can buy the course now at 2021 pricing. But not start till 2022, so you don't need to start over the holidays when things are always a little bit chaotic and a little out of routine. You can pay in 2021 if you decide to buy when we open the course doors and start in 2022. So the way to hear about that is to get on our waitlist. The link is in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening today.